everybody. Welcome to the Silver Screen Happy Hour with the Wiegand Brothers. I'm Chris Wiegand. This is the show where my brother Jerome and I discuss two movies, something old and something new, and we enjoy a drink that pairs well with those films. So grab a beverage and join us for this episode of the Silver Screen Happy Hour. We are calling today's show Minari Coast, because we're going to be discussing Minari from 2020 and Mosquito Coast from 1986. As always, we encourage you to watch both movies before listening to the show, or at the very least, watch the trailers on YouTube. So every time my brother and I record an episode, um, he's on the West Coast, I'm in Michigan, uh, we load up a Zoom video, and then we uh, have another uh, piece of software that we use uh, that's a little bit better quality than the Zoom audio, and uh, we start recording on that. This week was a little different. We started recording and fumbled around with Zoom for a solid 20-25 minutes. Uh, it was driving me nuts. Now, we did decide a long time ago that it, this is going to be an audio podcast, not a video podcast. We do the video just to uh, make the conversation a little easier for us so we can actually see each other, but we do not record the actual video. I decided to leave the last few seconds of our frustration uh, in uh, because uh, Jerome just decided he couldn't wait any longer and he pops his beer and we're going to pick it up with Jerome's frustration and then we're just going to launch right in. So let me go ahead and get the film reel set up, and we'll pick it up where uh, Jerome loses his cool. I can't wait any longer. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm going to put any of the frustration in for our listeners, but we've just been spending how long? 20 minutes trying to get our Zoom to work. But uh, the audio works, so we're going to run with this. So, Jerome, what movies are we discussing today? Today is Oscar get, nominated. Get closer to the microphone. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm much closer than six inches. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm Joe Bidening this microphone right now. <laughs> that was uncalled for. <laughs> All right. You so, just offended half of our audience. Actually, they're not offended. They understand. You'll it's, have to edit that out. <laughs> All right. So um, today we are reviewing. The Mosquito Coast from 1986, Harrison Ford, a Peter Weir directed film, and pairing it with Minari, which was uh, 2020, up for Best Picture, uh, one Best Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and we picked these two because they have very, very similar uh, story structures as far as uh, the father and, and man of the house, so to speak deciding to uproot his family and follow a dream or a passion and um, things go horribly wrong for both as, as things do in life. Ironically, they're both set in roughly the same time period. Yes. Mid eighties. Both, you know, things go terribly wrong uh, as they do. But interestingly enough, as we'll talk about, I feel like only one, of the patriarchs of these two films actually learns their lesson. Yeah. I, I thought um, about that today. I actually saw the mosquito coast for the first time a couple of weeks ago when we first started talking about doing this pair up. And then um, I watched Minari today my family saw it a few weeks back or whenever, you know, a couple of months ago, I think when it was up for an Oscar or Oscars and uh, I had to work and I couldn't stay up late. So I got to watch it today. Um, so what are you drinking to pair up with these movies? Cause I, I, ma- I made a note that Minari, there's kind of a, a, a Mountain Dew role and I don't have any Mountain Dew in my house. And then I said, well, water plays a role. I could just drink water. Well, that's boring. So <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed, but it is what it is. I dug around my refrigerator. I found, uh, Seagram's Seascapes, uh, Colossus. 
how do you say this? Colaspo Colada, pineapple coconut flavors. So, hey, you're on video. I can see you. You see me now. So, yeah, look at that me. trash I'm about to start drinking. So, what the anyways, hell is that? We can thank my well, uh, daughter-in-law. Which, which Wait. interesting. Oh, that was not oh, even much of a fizz. That was horrible. Sorry. So, right out of the bottle. I also struggled to find uh, a a drink that would go with either of these two films. So uh, let me preface this by saying I don't feel this way. I enjoy light beer, but other people consider light beer to be contaminated water. And since contaminated water seemed to be a theme in both films, I'm drinking light beer as my nod to contaminated water. (laughs) That's a good one. I don't feel that way personally. <laughs> I enjoy light beer. So Mick Ultra, please do not sue me. As a fan um, of craft beer, I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> yes. Yes. And there are a lot of craft beer drinkers who are so, so above and so egotistically higher than all of us lowly light beer drinkers. Anyway, let's get back to the. Yes. So which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Mosquito Coast or Minari? Let's start. Yeah. Let's start with the old one first. Okay. So, uh, a couple of things to note that this is considered by many in the industry uh, Harrison Ford's finest performance. Um, I think Witness is up there. Ironically, there's a lot of similarities between this film and Witness, same director, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the, the same principles as far as original score. I think editing, cinematography, all might be the same people. Um, so it has that same feel. You can tell when the movie starts, it has the same feel of Witness. Uh, Witness is also a similar theme. Peter Weir's kind of running theme that he has through his films is is um, is alienation, you know. Um, so, you know, kind of a man outside of, uh, oh, where did I write that down? Cultural alienation. That's what I wrote down. So um, that's kind of like a running theme for Peter Weir. And then, uh, so, and Witness is kind of the same thing, you know, stranger in a strange land, fish out of water sort of thing, uh, where Harrison Ford's character has to go live with the Amish. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Mosquito Coast came out uh, a, a year later with um, same actor, Harrison Ford. But Again, there's two aspects to this. One, it's considered his best performance. Two, it's also his most unlikable. Hmm. And and he has often said, uh, I want to say that he has considered the Mosquito Coast his favorite role <laughs> as far as you know his own acting, as far as his, uh, it's the role he's most proud of. Now, he's obviously been on record as saying Indiana Jones is technically his favorite role. You know, that's the one he loves to do over and over. Han Solo is a role he actually hated <laughs> and wanted to be killed off several times. Um, but the Mosquito Coast, Ali Fox, is one that he is the most proud of as far as his performance. Um, but definitely unlikable. There's not a lot of redeeming qualities about Ali Fox outside of he's really intelligent. Uh, you would figure almost a photographic memory, very hands-on, can build anything. Like those are the most admirable qualities are his abilities. Mm-hmm. But as far as personality and likability, he's zero. I mean, he... Um, Maybe once or twice he's got like a nice moment with River Phoenix, you know, but other than that, the rest of the time he is just completely dragging his family almost literally through the mud. Uh, And it's amazing how long they stay with him, Um, which, uh, you know, I don't want to jump ship and go right to Minari. But one of the similarities is the wife in Minari, uh, I believe her character's name is Monica. She is the exact opposite of mother who is Helen Mirren's character as Harrison Ford's wife. Yeah. And Mosquito Coast. mother goes along with everything he says, you know, he's in charge, whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. Uh, Monica and Minari, she challenges her husband on the daily, anything he wants right. to do. She is just a stick in the mud on everything. She doesn't yeah. want to do any of it. Uh, and she lets him know she doesn't hide her feelings. She's very, very upset. In fact, at one point even drops an ultimatum. I'll only stay here if you let my mother come and stay with me. Yeah. So, which by the way, best supporting actress winner. Oh yeah. The, the, I mean, it's, she what a great fantastic. role that was um, kind of steals the show but anyway so getting back to mosquito coast i found a lot of religious undertones i thought there was a lot of 
Peter Weir talking about God yeah. uh, in a way. I mean, you could say, yes, the missionary scenes, but even beyond the missionary scenes, um, you know, there's there's one line that I thought was very particular when he's arguing with the missionary guy. Mm. And he says, you know, if your God knew about this place, he would have done something for these people. <laughs> right. But interestingly enough, there he stands. Mm-hmm. So isn't him being there God's answer, God's response. You know, he is doing something for these people. He sent them you. Yeah. yeah. But he fails to see that because, you know, nobody can disagree with him. And now, I know we talk often when we do these about the screenwriter's theme, right? What is the spiritual theme that he's supposed to learn? What is the lesson he's supposed to learn? And early on, when he's he made the little icebox for that guy, Bolsky or Polsky, the guy says, yeah, you know, I hired you for your intelligence, but I also hired you to listen, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's sort of setting it up. Will he ever take anyone else's advice? Will he ever listen to anyone other than himself? And it's a question that keeps coming up throughout the entire film. And he never learns his lesson from. And again, we will we've often agreed we won't ruin the ending of the new movie, but we do discuss the endings of the old movie, because if you haven't seen Mosquito Coast by now, 1986, right, right. nothing I can do for you, kid. So, uh, <laughs> oh, so we sh- uh, I forgot I was going to note um, there's actually a TV series coming out yes. tw- in 2021. It might already be yeah. out yes. uh, called the Mosquito for- Coast, but it has nothing to do with the original movie. Right. It, it, no, that's not true. It's actually based on the same book. Oh, it is. Uh, okay. Justin Justin Thoreau, the actor, is playing Ali Fox. Okay. I watched the trailer and I didn't get that it was it, even based. It, it, it seems it looked very way different. off. Yeah, it, it, it seems it, very it, different. It looks like they adapted it to where again. I haven't seen. It, I only saw the trailer, but it looks like they're not escaping to this foreign land because that's what he wants to do. He wants to yeah. shed America. It looks like they're on the run, like they're wanted from the authorities. Yeah. So it looks like that they're forced to leave. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, he actually met Justin throw had met with Harrison Ford while they were filming. Okay, cool. Um, nothing to do with the mosquito coast as far as, Hey, I want to talk to you about the character, but apparently they, uh, they were shooting in Mexico city and Harrison Ford happened to be there. <laughs> And and the producer or his agent, Justin Thoreau's agent or somebody know knew that and knows both actors and called up Harrison Ford and said, you want to meet for lunch with Justin Thoreau? And they met and he said they talked for hours and only a little bit of it was about Mosquito Coast. They talked about everything else. But it did come up um, that they were there shooting the, the wow. show based on the book. And Harrison Ford loved it. He loved the idea. And again, that's where he relayed the, how much he loved playing the character. Yeah. So my my take on on the movie um, and actually in his performance. Uh, I think you're right. I think his performance is probably one of the best I've ever seen uh, from Harrison Ford. Um, but it was weird because um, when I first started watching it, I'm like, wow, this guy's, he's either crazy. I mean, or he's a genius or both, you know, a lot of geniuses are a little crazy. Um, but there's like, I couldn't relate to, um, actually in both movies, because neither, neither of the husbands like wanted, to, they, they were very strong willed and bullheaded and, and they had their ideas about the way they were going to do life. And it's like, they didn't even take into consideration their wife's point of view. You know what I mean? And, right. and so it's like, we talked about this before, uh, I think in the last, the last one we did about, uh, it was, yeah, it was in, uh. Uh, Children of a Lesser God, because that was set in the eighties, and he, he very kind of a chauvinistic, uh, you know, reaction in the, in in that movie between the the male and female leads. And I had a similar reaction. I was like, man, I just can't wrap my brain around this because I'm like, especially Minari, and we'll get to that in a minute. But his wife was like super strong and insightful and i'm like dude you're a fool if you don't listen to this woman you know yeah. what i mean because like if you want your world to go well you listen to you know you, you're blessed to have a woman like that by your side you know yeah and he yes. just and he wasn't listening he wasn't hearing it and uh, until well i won't, won't say anymore because like we don't want to give it away but um but yeah <laughs> when we were when i was watching mosquito coast i'm like wow i i, I like and not just with his um, his family and his wife, um, but the way he re- referred to the people that lived like in the jungle, um, like the savages, savages. I'm like, wow, that's a very dated term. You don't use that in 2021 about, you know, folks in Central America. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Savages. I, I was like, 
Yeah, it was just it really struck me as like I cringed. I was like, "Uh oh, here comes the white savior, you know, coming to Central America to tame the savage beasts. It's like, yeah. oh, God, that's horrible to even hear. And, you know, so anyways, I, I, I took note of that. And and as as far as the structure that we often talk about, about, you know, uh, the theme is, is posed or the question, the central question of the film will be posed to the main you know, character in the first five, 10 minutes, whatever it is. And then they spend the rest of the movie trying to f- figure out if they're going to answer the question. We always talk about the midpoint scene, right? The midpoint scene is where they achieve their mm-hmm. tangible goal, what they want. And then the second half, everything goes to shit. This film almost follows that to a T because yeah. at the exact midpoint, there's a shot of their civilization that he built. Yeah. Success. The ice machine is built. There's all the the lawn. There's like lawn now. There was like grass and it's like finely cut. And it's like there's huts that have air conditioning. Like the utopia had been set. The very next scene. And I mean, the very next scene. They show a very disgruntled Harrison Ford and River Phoenix's voiceover was uh, he had accomplished what he wanted. But now he was getting restless. Yeah. And it's like, all right, boom, we're automatically now in act two or not act two, the second half of act two. We're now in the second half of the movie where things are about to go to shit. And what does he do? He goes and tries to take ice up to the Indians um, and sees, you know, meets the three gunmen, the three armed, you know, so and that's and it's almost exactly if he would just stayed there, he would have stayed in his utopia forever. Yeah. Yeah. But he had to go metal. Yeah. He had to go, you know, try to save the world. And. Uh, I, I want to say that Hattie, uh, I think that's the character's name. Hattie was the guy that uh, stayed with them and worked with them. Mm-hmm. He was his main worker, you know, try to tell him, don't go up there. They don't want to do anything with what you're doing. And, and again, he doesn't listen. He didn't learn his lesson in the beginning. He didn't learn his lesson halfway through. Right. He, he didn't learn his lesson at all. Yeah. I, and that was another thing when he showed up, he just like starts ordering these people around and they're yeah. doing what he says. I'm like this. So there, there was a disconnect in the storytelling for me in that, in that I was like, no, okay. I mean, it's a movie. There is, there is one funny part when he first gets there and he, and he's got everything, you know, the first day or two, everybody's in culture shock. Whoa, what is this guy doing? He's, he's immediately plowing stuff over or whatever. And then he has the next scene where he's got them all lined up and he says, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a man who you know, can take advice. He's not, he's full of shit. He's lying through his teeth, but he says, I'll let you guys decide what comes first because we all have to do this stuff first. And then he looks at a guy who doesn't speak any English and he goes, planting, planting. That's what we want to do. Planting. Okay. So you called it planting. We're going to do planting. And they start planting. And it's like, nobody really said that you said it, but, but he has this facade that he's taking advice from people, but he's not. delusion. Yeah, the delusion of this is a democracy. No, it wasn't. It was never a democracy. So, um, but anyway, there's a lot of, um, again, where I feel like God is giving Ali signs and he's ignoring them, Mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and in fact, not only is he ignoring them, but he, he manifests the ignorance into rage against the missionary right. uh, against the reverend and his missionary. Um, and, and again, you could talk about biblical undertones all you want. When he sets fire to the church at the end, yeah. he immediately gets shot for it by, so, the reverend. <laughs> by the reverend. So you could, you know, you could sit there and you could say, well, Peter Weir set the movie up to where Allie is the hero and the reverend is the antagonist. The reverend is the bad guy. The reverend could be the hand of God. <laughs> Yeah. trying to reach him, trying to get him to see the light. And when he refuses and in fact, then sets fire to the church, the hand of God comes down and shoots Ali. So, you know, you, there's, you know, what I find is you got to look, you don't have to look any farther than the screenplay. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, Peter Weir directed it, but it's Paul Schrader's screenplay. Paul Schrader, for anyone that's listening and doesn't know, he has a history of writing characters like this he wrote taxi driver he wrote raging bull um you know he he wrote affliction which is probably my favorite nick nolte movie where he he writes these films where these lead characters they don't want to listen to anybody else they feel like they have a mission and a passion and anyone who gets in my way they're going to get hurt and this is what i want and this is what i need and i don't listen to anybody else and every single one of them suffers some sort of downfall um you know very few times do they learn their lesson. And that's Paul Schrader is sort of like 
maybe thumbing his nose at, 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 you know, you know, proper screenwriting, if you want to call it that for anyone that can't see me, I did the air quotes, you know, yeah. proper screenwriting where the hero is always supposed to learn their lesson. Well, Paul Schrader's like, no, my heroes don't have to learn and, their lesson. Well, I mean, throughout history, there's been comedies, there's been tragedies, right? Right. And live he, by the sword. He, he writes tragedies. Live it, by I the mean, sword, die yeah, by the sword. That movie definitely, it was tragic. And, you know? and Ali Fox is you see that same character manifested in Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver, uh, Wade Whitehouse in Affliction, Jake LaMotta in Raging Bull. They're all the same mentality. They're all the same guy. What I say goes, you're either with me or you're without me or, you know, or get out of my way. And, and none of them actually, I would say, oddly enough, Travis Bickle, who's probably the most psychotic of the four I just mentioned, might be the only one that learns any sort of a lesson at the end. Right. The rest of them, the rest of them never seem to learn that their destructive behavior is what pushed everybody in their lives away from them. Um, and Ali Fox is another perfect example of that. So you need to look no further than the screenplay. Um, another theme I thought was interesting throughout the film was the pollution of paradise is what I called it. Mm-hmm. He mentions, you know, after the after uh, the explosion, right, he has to figure out a way to get rid of the three armed gun, you know, the three gunmen. And he, he finds a, a, a rather grotesque way to get rid of them. Right. <laughs> and when it all goes to shit, somehow he didn't think about getting their guns from them before he locked them into the goddamn icebox. But um, <laughs> they try to shoot their way out. Of course, the whole thing explodes. The icebox, destroy- the whole civilization utopia he built is now in shambles. Right. Hattie's boat gets destroyed. Yeah. And the river is contaminated. What I was going to say was yeah. is that, you know, his boat's destroyed and Harrison Ford's character, Allie, says, what do you need a boat without a river? And he says, the river's still here. And he says, no, it's contaminated now. We live here. We stay here. We die. So every place he goes, he's contaminating right. the paradise of that had existed, which is ironic. Yeah. Because he's, that's he, why he left America. Right. He's made it worse. <laughs> right. That's why he left America, though, yeah. because he thought America was this great place and he couldn't bear to see it fall. He has a great story about his mother who was dying on her deathbed. He's a great analogy there where he just left her there mm-hmm. and all his family told him he was cold and heartless. And he said, no, I just couldn't. I loved her so much that I couldn't bear to sit there and watch her die. It was the same, his feelings about America. He loved America so much that he couldn't bear to see it fall apart. So he left, but ironically he did to all these great little natural paradises, what he felt America was happening, which was contamination, pollution of paradise. Yeah. So, so it was, it was nominated for what? One or two golden globes. Yeah, it was not a big Oscar draw. No, it wasn't. Because um, he was so unlikable. And because yeah. of the movie, did, the movie didn't make that much money. It was considered a bomb. Really? Okay. River Phoenix, he won something. It was like a lower kind of... Well, that was a time where I think River Phoenix might have been winning every young actor yeah, award yeah, that they were giving out. So whether it was the People's Choice Awards <laughs> <Right>. or the <laughs> Blockbuster Entertainment Awards or whatever, River yeah. Phoenix probably had a hell of a mantle. Right. Uh, you know, it, it really is unfortunate. Uh, his passing was so early. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, I always considered Heath Ledger when Heath Ledger was alive. I remember telling somebody Heath Ledger is who River Phoenix would have been had he lived. Mm. And then what happens to Heath Ledger? So, you know, it's, it's really a bummer to try to find, you know, the next young thing that's that talented at such a young age. Um, River Phoenix impressed Harrison Ford so much that when they went to go do Indiana Jones three, right. He he handpicked River Phoenix to play him as a younger Indiana Jones yeah. in all the flashback scenes. Yeah, what a what a so, compliment there. Yeah, yeah. So um egotistic and narcissist are words that are thrown around with uh, Ali Fox. Do they do they also work for Jacob and Minari? Do you consider Jacob now, now we're we're doing a transition here to Minari? Yeah. Do you feel that Jacob is also an egotist and a narcissist? I don't see I don't see that character in that same light. Um, mm-hmm. I, I see his uh, his character's name is Jacob. Um, yes. I see Jacob um, more. I think more there might be. I mean, I think there's some ego there. He kept he you know, he kept talking about how he didn't want to just 
staring to chicks chicks butts all the rest of his life i can't remember how he said it remember because that's what he he was he was a sex what was it what do they call him a sex uh they they figured out what sex the chicks were these chickens oh right? oh yeah the chickens the chickens right <laughs> yeah and he's like i don't want to stare at stare but, at chickens but he, was, but he was really good at it he, he was, was like really the best. yeah he was quick he was quick but he hated it he hated his job he hated you know he didn't want to spend the rest of his life looking at you know chicks asses <laughs> right right <laughs> but right. that doesn't necessarily to me make him a monster he had ambitions he wanted to be successful in life you know um but it was at the expense i mean he he wasn't really taking anyone else's advice he, he wouldn't there you go <laughs> he wouldn't uh you know he wouldn't even the new neighbors um they when they greeted him they tried to help him out trying to you know the the what's the the how how to find the water how to find the water now yeah. the reason water, why that's water, important which, yeah which the reason why that's important is i always felt that his theme was very similar to Allie's as far as will he ever listen or take advice to other people right. you can actually get it a little bit more specific will he assimilate to his new culture mm -hmm. will he assimilate to new to a new world so to speak and he doesn't he rejects it at first they show him this is how you do the water witching after they leave, he tells his son, we don't need that right. medieval crap. Like, <laughs> we don't need that. And But what happens near, you know, again, not, not to ruin too much, but at one point he just succumbs to it and says, okay, we got to do it this way. So at least he starts learning his lesson near the end as far as how to assimilate properly, how to listen and take advice from yeah. other people. The mother character and his wife's character, Monica, are two major influences in him learning this lesson. It's actually a, a more finer tuned screenplay, excuse me, than the mosquito coast as far as that tug, that tug of war yeah, we was yeah. talking about, that push and pull of one scene he's not learning his lesson, the next scene he is learning his lesson. You know, again, we already talked about Paul Schrader's scripts. They don't do any of that. They're not yeah. about that. You know, he's very, very hard nosed about, no, 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 this is my guy. And my guy isn't supposed to learn his lesson. It's about how they're destructive they are. And, you know, and Minari tries to go for a little bit more of sort of a happy ending where, no, the lead kind of has to learn his lesson at some right. point. Yeah, that tug of war was definitely there, though. So, like, he <clears> – and and how would you name what the tug of war was? So, I, I, I see it as accepting help in the new culture or assimilating. You used the right. word assimilation, um, assimilating to the new culture, and then trying to hang on – to the past in a way, or just relying totally on his Korean, you know, Korean, yeah. Korean American. Exactly. Um, you know, I know how to do yeah. it better. Yeah. I, you don't have to tell me the American way. I'm going to do it the Korean way. Well, yeah. you're living in Arkansas, man. I don't know if the <laughs> Korean way is going to work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So. And even when, uh, yeah, his plan was to sell the crops to Korean Americans, you know, and, and break into that network. And then that let him down. Yeah, um, because they, you know, they decide to go with the farmers in California instead. Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. Like, so, yeah, it was, yeah. it was, but the, 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 I thought, I felt like the character development was better uh, in this mm -hmm. movie um, with his, uh, what was the one crazy neighbor? Uh, the religious guy, Will Patton played him. Paul. Tell me, tell me, Will, pa tell me Paul is not Hattie from mosquito coast yeah right well, right they, yeah he's the he's the local guy and he's right. the one that befriends him right you're the right. handyman that will yep. do you know that does what he's what he's told to do and he's the hard worker and he does you know is it is it's so funny when i when i was re-watching mosquito ghost coast again you know i've seen this movie when i was 11 when it came out but you know when you, we do when we prepare for a week like this do the show i have to go back and rewatch it and there were so many things i had forgotten about um, but when I was, well, I had already seen Minari, of course, because it was up for best picture. So when I was watching this again and I was re sort of like rewatching Hattie, I remember thinking that's Paul. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. guy's doing everything, but carrying a cross down the street, <laughs> right. you know? <laughs> yeah. So. And it was funny because I, you know, you, the, the religious, um, theme, almost a subplot, right. In Minari too, where, yeah. where there's, you know, he's in a very religious culture. It's, it, it's they're Christian too, but it's a very different Christianity than they're used to. <laughs> yes. To say yes. the least. <laughs> yeah. In, in yeah. Arkansas. So, I mean, one of my favorite shots of the whole movie is 
when they're driving down the street and they see Paul carrying his cross, <laughs> right. they stop to talk to him. But while while he's talking, um, while he's talking, while Jacob is talking to Paul, the camera shows the mom in the back seat is just like. <laughs> like you can't like for those that can't see me on the video his mouth her mouth is open like just like completely agape like just like yeah. in shock of what she's watching and and they don't mention it he never says anything to her right but she's just in the back window with her mouth open just staring at this guy carrying a cross well, the only the explanation he gave he's like oh this is this is my church this is what yeah. i do on sunday right. basically yeah I do, I do this every week i do this every sunday <laughs> and, 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 and but god love jacob he's just like Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he waves. It's it. You know. Good luck or whatever. I forgot. What okay. He said to him. You need a lift? No. <laughs> okay. All right. You know. But that was good it, character development because it showed me. Oh, he's he is developing a relationship with this guy, even though he's very different and off a little bit. You know, it seemed which, like. Yeah, which is um, which is different from Allie because Allie wouldn't have formed a partnership. He was he's more the boss. He would have told yeah. Hattie, "Don't do this. Don't do that." In fact. Hattie does come to him near the end of the film yeah, yeah. and says, hey, I brought you supplies. And he said, we don't need them. Right. Don't need them. You know, you're on my land now. And Hattie's like thrown off. Like, what the hell, man? I've been your buddy for so long. Yeah. And at that point, he realizes, I guess I was never your buddy. I was always your right. subordinate. Yeah. And that's, Here the big, I am tri- and that's the yeah. big difference in these two movies. Yes. Harrison Ford's character just... No, it, nothing ever penetrates his thick skull right? Exactly. <laughs> to his to his detriment <laughs> yes and, and and oddly enough the downfall of both in the second half of the film uh are their own doings now you could argue that well what was ali fox supposed to do these three gunmen show up well first of all he went and tempted those three gunmen yeah. right if he yeah. would have just stayed where he was nobody would have known he was there Second of all, so he's somewhat responsible for them even knowing that he was there. So second of all, yes, he does find a way to save his family and get rid of the three gunmen. And that's what causes the complete destruction. In Minari, it starts to go bad when he he realizes he was wrong on, on, on how to retrieve the right water. So he taps into the county line's water, right? Shuts off the water at his own house. And then lies to his family. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. This is the water. We have a water problem. Like, no, you know exactly what you're doing. You're, you care more about your crops at this point mm-hmm. than you do get feeding water into the house. So they both lead their, their actions based on their passions is what leads to both downfalls. Yeah. The difference is Jacob and Minari, again, he learns his lessons. He learns what he should and shouldn't do. He takes advice from people. He he accepts. And that's what I talked about when I was talking to uh, your daughter, Caitlin, uh, over Facebook about Minari. One of the things I loved about uh, Stephen Yoon's performance is that you see it on his face. You know, in every scene, without him even saying a word, and Harrison Ford has this too, but in a different way. You you can see it on his face without saying a word. He knows when he's wrong mm-hmm. yeah. and he knows when the decisions he made is causing harm to others. Right. You can see it. Harrison Ford, same but different. You see it on his face that nobody seems to be listening to me. Right. Why? Why is everybody else crazy? And I'm the only genius around here like that. You see that on his face. And I agree with some of the critics that say it's his best performance, because as much as I love Harrison Ford in movies like Witness and The Fugitive, which I always think those are his three best performances, uh, Witness, The Fugitive and uh, Mosquito Coast. I'm not including Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Those are fun action films. But as far as straight dramas. Yeah. Witness, Mosquito Coast, and The Fugitive, I think, are his three best performances that, you know, were Oscar worthy, uh, so to speak. This is the one where he does so much without saying something. He just has some of those reactions and some of those shots where he's just like, like, and even looks around like, like, am I the only genius here? What the hell's the matter with you people? Why is nobody listening to me? And he plays it to perfection. And you get more and more frustrated every time you see that face of his because you get angrier. Right. You're like, man, would you just stop and listen? Whereas when you watch Minari and you see Steven Yoon's reactions, you say he understands. He's getting it. He's getting it it's it's harder but he's he's getting it yeah and and what was it uh mother in uh helen helen mirren um her role there there comes a point where towards the end of the movie she realizes he he's he's not playing with a full deck anymore like something snapped or he just he's not 
But it comes way too late. It does. Way, it comes way too way late. And by then, late. you're like, you got this sick feeling like, oh, this ain't going to end well. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, he emerges from the water. When she has her breakdown, she thinks he's been lost in the sea because yeah. uh, he went yeah. underwater to retrieve the propeller. When he comes up, he feels that everyone's being a traitor now. And right. he punishes his sons by sticking them in a dinghy and making them follow behind him in the boat. Like, like that's his punishment, you know, um, that's their punishment. So uh, by way, uh, again, this is another major point. River Phoenix's character, Charlie was always on his side. His, his, his words did not match his actions. Mm -hmm. So in the voiceover and the narration, he would say, my dad's losing it. He's crazy. He's, you know, he's doing all these things. He's alienating everybody. But on screen, the character of Charlie is doing whatever his father tells him to do. Mm-hmm. He's helping him out. He's doing whatever he is. He, he argues with people and tells him, no, my dad's a genius. My dad built an icebox. You know, my dad can do this. My right. dad can do that. It's that scene that Charlie's relationship with Allie is fractured. Right, right. You know, he's punishing yeah. me for having these thoughts. He's punishing me for wanting to help the family. Yeah. And it's at that moment that when they find the missionary, he's off to find Martha Plimpton to say, we need your help. We right. want to escape. We want right. to escape my dad. Oddly enough, Martha Plimpton and River Phoenix met on that. I want to say they met on that set or they might have met earlier. But by working together, they started dating for three years after that. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple. Wow, interesting. And Helen Mirren, since you brought her up, you know this was only her second film. I want to say it was her second film. I'm not, no, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's only her second film. And you know what her first film was? Her first entry into the movie industry. National you should Lampoons. know this. National no, 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 no. You would know this, though, Which because one? you love this movie. Which one? 2010, the year we made Contact. She plays the Rush. She plays the Russian astronaut. No. Where she's yes, she's arguing with Roy Scheider, where he's trying to you know he's trying to show her how they can get the fuel from the one ship to the other ship and they can take off, and she says I cannot you know I cannot. She was way too young to be in that. I cannot disobey my subordinates for no reason, <laughs> and he says forget reason. There was I have no time to be reasonable. What? I'm so confused right now. <laughs> I gotta look this up seriously. Yes, you remember you remember 2010. That was well, yeah. Still, I saw it at the still, movie theater. I was gonna say you loved that movie. I did. I couldn't. I, it's so funny that movie 2010, the year we made contact. I had the hardest time getting people to actually watch that movie. Yeah, well, and I don't know if it was because it was too long or what, but I was like, man, this is. There, I thought I loved it. I think there were a lot of critics to. Well, it's not 2001. It's not as good as Kubrick's 2001. Well, it's a yeah. sequel that doesn't live up. Well, if we're going to start counting sequels that don't live up to the original, yeah, we we might as well make this a, a nine hour show. But I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, Peter Hyams directed that one. I mean, again, as we do for anyone that's listening, we always get off you know topic and sorry. we start talking off. I just realized who you said. Yeah, I'm, I'm an Helen Mirren. Yeah, who did you think I said? Martha Plimpton. Yeah, I got. That's what I thought you said. I'm like, wait, what? She yes, then I agree with you. She would have been too young. She would have been way too young. I'm an idiot. Okay, I'm gonna leave all that in just to prove how smart you are and how dumb I am. This is why you get paid the big bucks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. But yeah, her, uh, Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren. So, um, and and you know, a strong-willed role in 2010, and then she follows it up with an absolutely meek and weak role in Mosquito Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, she's such a strong female lead in 2010. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So now, God, now that I know who you're talking about, yeah. And that was a brilliant. Yeah, yeah she did. She had a, a great role in 2010. You know, yeah. And again, I, I know we do this where we get off on tangents and we talk about movies that we're not talking. We're not supposed to be talking about. <laughs> but anyone who hasn't seen 2010, yes, it's not Kubrick's 2001, but it's a great. It's a to me, it's a worthy sequel. It's a great it, sequel. It, it is I a thought. worthy. Sequel. So. A lot of big names. John Lithgow's in it too. Like, there's a lot of big names. Yeah. And if you love 2001 and you understand its message. You will further appreciate 2010. Do I have to edit all your burps? Yeah, no. Leave those in. Leave leave those in for context. (laughs) So so the the thing with 2010 is a lot of people watched it either having never seen 2001 or having not understanding 2001. So when I was a kid, 
in when when did that come out? Eighty what? Eighty four? It had like to have been eighty four. Yeah, eighty three, eighty four. So when I saw that at the movie theater, I was twelve. You know, twelve yeah. or twelve years old, and I had never seen two thousand one at the time. So I I later saw it. So, so you really had no idea about what was going on right. with the monolith and all no. that stuff. I was like, oh, this is different. You know, <laughs> I was just a kid. But as a kid, grow you know, at my age, I think. Uh, the same year or right around then um the day after came out so i was freaked out about nuclear war oh right and right. um you know and that's that was the in a lot of the pop culture at the time movies and stuff like that you know war yeah. game, war games came out right around or a year or two before that maybe and uh so yeah that whole theme of like this this space anyway I'm, we're getting off we're getting way off so <laughs> but i was totally into it i was totally into it so yeah so that's your uh, your free one, I guess, for this podcast. <laughs> go see 2010. Oh yeah, go see. Yeah, there's yeah, there's my my my. Uh, you'll see when we do these audio podcasts that there's always a, a recommendation for like five other movies that we'll talk about. They have nothing to do with what we started with, but yeah, 2010 is something that I thought about when you mentioned uh, Helen Mirren. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's uh, you know. All those interesting side notes about Martha Plimpton and and Helen Mirren and this is Harrison Ford's favorite uh, performance and you know it, and it just goes to show people have often asked people I remember Denzel Washington got asked in an interview is it more fun to play the bad guy mm. you know and a lot of actors Denzel included were like it doesn't matter you know playing a good guy is just as fun it's all about trying to find you know the the essence the thing to go for but you kind of really see delight don't you and some actors playing the bad guy or playing the jerk they really they really sort of you know enjoy well maybe it's not the enjoyment of being a jerk it's the enjoyment of of channeling uh, a personality that is not theirs, mm. you know, so it's a, for them. The joy is the challenge. You know, Harrison Ford comes off of Mosquito, uh, had just come off witness when he did Mosquito Coast mm. witness. He is the most likable guy, the hero of the story. And his next film, he is a complete ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, but, you know, he, he obviously he enjoyed it if he if he loved it that much, that performance. Yeah. Um, again, we don't want to talk too much about Minari because it's so new. So people have to go see it. But if you're get, if you're getting anything from this from this uh, episode, it's that, um, yes, go see the Mosquito Coast. See Minari. Uh, there's a lot of similar themes Great performances all around. Um, you know, again, Oscar-winning performances. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really a touching film. And Mosquito Coast isn't as touching. It's a little bit more brutal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has a brutal ending. Uh, which, one more thing on the ending. I, I know we talked to the, the missionary, uh, the reverend, shoots Allie. <laughs> he does die. I'm sorry to ruin that for anyone who you know hasn't seen a 1986 movie, and this is 2021. <laughs> um, but interestingly enough, we talked about Helen Mirren's character of mother. She never ever in the film lied to her husband until the very last thing she ever says to him. The last spoken words. Well, you could you could argue that. Um, River Phoenix's narration is the last spoken words, but as far as you know, dialogue, actor, yeah. actors speaking to each other, dialogue on screen. He asks her, "We're still going up river, right?" And right before he dies, and she says, "Yes." And it's the right. only time in the film she lies to her husband. Right? She knew so he was dying, though. She knew he was dying, so you could argue, "Oh, well, she was just trying to make him feel good," you know, because the next shot is them clearly going downriver to, yeah, to the ocean. Ocean, yeah. Right. So um, you could say, "Well, she just did that because he was dying, and she, you know, she wanted to make him feel okay on his way out." Okay, fine. But to me, as a screenwriter, there's always an, an, an you know an ambiguous. There's always an underlying theme. And what were we talking about, about the pollution of paradise? Right. Yep. One and, last thing she never did before was yep. lie to her husband. And she was such a golden heart throughout the film. Then, yeah, yeah it ends with her lying. It ends with her li <laughs> looking in his face, in his dying face, and lying to him wow. on his way out. Wow. So, you know, to, to me, I that's the kind of shit I read into. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. That's a good, that's good observation. That's good. Pollution of paradise again. Well, let's... Uh, Transition to six degrees. I don't know how long we've been going. Oh, I about totally forgot about six degrees. 40 minutes. 
You're gonna have to wing this one. How are you gonna do yeah, it? Yeah, because we were uh, we were uh, for anyone that doesn't know, we we moved the time up on this one and we kind of rushed it. So we're gonna so, see if you can do it on the spot. Who who did you want? I said River Phoenix, right? And uh, the boy in Minari. Alan oh, it's Kim. the boy, yeah. Alan Kim. Right, right, right. When I first saw your text, I was like, I, I forget who Alan Kim is because I yeah, had. I know it's been a while since I watched Minari. It's he's been a, a couple a of pretty, months. He's a pretty new new actor, I would say. Yeah, I th- I think he's going to be around for a while. He he really kind of nailed it. He, he did. was really really good in that and, movie. Yeah, and can we talk about how cute those two kids were? Oh my gosh, they're just adorable. Which ones in uh, in Minari? I thought you were talking about the twins in uh, Mosquito Coast, oh. <laughs> who, who had very little lines at all, and yeah, very few no. lines. But okay, so so uh, Alan Kim and who? River Phoenix. River Phoenix. Yeah. Oh man, uh, we might take up the rest of the time here with this one, but let's just. Uh, well, was, obviously, obviously, Minari's got to be a connection because I don't know any other movies Alan Kim was in. Right. <laughs> I think this might have been his only movie so far, so definitely we're gonna go with that. And if I had to pick a name, like I can't use Steven Yeun because we don't use TV shows, and The Walking Dead would have been a great, a great sort of, you know. Right. platform to use to branch off to other actors but we you know we have rules on this show our <laughs> six degrees is we don't use directors unless they're in a film and we don't use tv shows they have to be in feature length films so we can't use steven yoon i mean i'm sure he's been in movies i just don't off the top of my head i can't think of one so i would go with will Patton. that's who i thought you were gonna go with yeah I mean, because just, will, will he's been, will Patton's been around he's been in a ton of stuff i mean i i know him best from uh, armageddon Right. Because I've right. seen that movie so many times. I love but, that movie. But I would think, uh, you know, and again, this I have no time to prepare, so it probably can be done in like two or three, but I'm just going to wing this one. Um, I'm a, Will Patton was in, uh, let's go remember the Titans because Denzel was in remember the Titans. And that gives me an even oh. bigger window now. Now I got Denzel. Now I got Denzel in my bag of tricks. Now yeah, but I if got you went Denzel. with Armageddon, you got Bruce Willis. And That's true. Good Lord. True. You got a whole Bruce bunch of actors in that was one. Bruce, uh, was Bruce. Ben Affleck. Bruce and Ben Affleck in anything that Harrison Ford, River Phoenix had been in or, or close to being in. Um, but I know that Denzel was in. Uh, oh, I got it. I got it. You got it. Yeah, I got it. Um, I don't know how many this is going to be, <laughs> right, but Denzel was in Denzel was in Cry Freedom with Kevin Klein. Uh, that was an Oscar nominated movie in the 80s. Boy, we should do that one sometime. That, that's a really good movie. Cry Freedom. Uh, Kevin Klein and and Denzel, and then uh, Kevin Klein was in "I Love You to Death" with River Phoenix. No, God, yes. How many is that? Uh, That's well, "I Love You to Death." There's one, and then "Cry Freedom," and then "Remember the Titans" and then "Minari." That's four. That's four. not bad. That's respectable. Yeah, and, that's respect- and like you said, it's probably less, right? But this is it's probably less. If, if off I the cuff. If I really wanted to pull out IMDb, we could probably nail this thing down to two or three. <laughs> but uh, but off the top of my head, I, I, I'm, I'll go with that. I'll go with those four. Now you said Bruce Willis and Armageddon is probably a really good, a really good catch. Uh, you could probably do it in less. Yeah. It could probably be done in less. But but I'm gonna go with four. I'm gonna go with my Denzel and go with four. Um, but again, that's the key is you got to find that one person that opens your window up. Right. Right. And Alan Kim himself, nothing. But so he was just you, TV before this? Who? The kid, the boy. The kid, the, yeah, the kid, sorry. Yeah, I think this was his only movie. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, but Steven Yoon, who plays the dad, who plays Jacob. Yeah, he's the one, yeah. I've watched him all those years he was on The Walking Dead. I love that show. Right. And that has a lot of window opportunities because there's a lot of people that have come through that show. Um, but again, I don't use TV shows like those Kevin Bacon guys. Yeah. So like on IMDb, the kid has, uh, as an actor, he's got two credits, but one isn't even out yet. Oh, well, how about that? So Minari was his only movie. His first so that, one, yep. There's yeah, a movie, that was our, It's just a movie that has been announced. It doesn't even have a release date. It's called Latchkey Kids. He's going to be in. Never heard of it. Yeah, it'll probably be up for all the awards next year. Yeah. <laughs> so so I'll go with those four. Good. Well done. Um. Yeah, this that's fun. That's fun. And again, again, anyone that's listening, I know we we take up too much time going over the rules every every week. So when we actually come up with a website, we'll state the rules on the web page so we don't have to say them every week and yeah. waste time. But for anyone that doesn't know, it's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game, but only we call it six degrees of separation. 
And it's the argument is that find me two actors that cannot be connected within six degrees, a six a degree being a feature length film. Right. Uh, no no TV shows. Right. The six degrees of Kevin Bacon guys, they uh, uh, which I'll give them credit. I'm not trying to blast them. I'll give them credit for starting this whole thing. Yeah. But really, my argument was that it's not just Kevin Bacon, that you can do it with anybody. Yeah. Any two can be connected. That's my hypothesis, that any two can be connected. And you have to use, and they use TV shows, they yeah. use directors. I don't yep. use none of that stuff. I just feature length films. If you yep. appeared in a feature length film, so you can use a director, for instance, Martin Scorsese was in Quiz Show. He, play, he was an actor. He played a part. He was in Taxi Driver. Right. He played a part. Wow, boy, his part in Taxi Driver. Oh, if you haven't, <laughs> that's, that's a rough scene. You can YouTube that one. That was just filled with the language that you could never put in a movie today. Let's just put it that way. So, but... Uh, but anyway, so yeah, anyone that wants to YouTube, Martin Scorsese in Taxi Driver, his one scene, it's pretty bad. But anyway, um, so yeah, we will use directors if they're actually in a movie. Yeah. But so, if they're, yeah. I was just going to finish off by saying to our listeners, um, hopefully you notice that the quality of these audio productions are getting better. Um, they will continue to. And they're going to continue <laughs> to get better. Or uh, We were trying to figure this out uh, when we were just getting going and uh we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> so we couldn't even get our video to work today, 20 minutes <laughs> in. But um, yeah, so and um, we're working on. So by the time anyone hears this, uh, we'll most likely have a website and, and all that because we're going to get a few in the can here um, and then start putting them out there. We'll have uh, a little rhythm going. I Hopefully this first season, we're going to call this season one. Um, I suspect season one will be wrapped up sometime in 2021. And then when we start season two, we'll have a little more experience and a little rhythm uh, to what we're doing. Maybe I'll actually have a studio. Yeah. I don't have a studio right now. <laughs> And doing some of this stuff in the closet. I'm doing some of it. I'm yeah. trying to find the best audio room to do it in. So it's I'm, very, very I'm up difficult. in my attic and it's like 85 degrees out and humid. And we have air conditioning, but the attic just does not cool down. So Yes, for anyone else that doesn't know, my brother and I are doing this three hours apart. He lives in Michigan and I live in California. Right. Um, yeah, I shouldn't we, complain uh, about the heat, though. You've had some freaky heat this past week or two. Right. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. it like 108 degrees the other day? Uh, yeah. Well, that, well, last week we're, we're in the nice cozy nineties right now. Okay. The nice, what I would call the chilly nineties, because last week we're all hundreds. It was uh one eleven, one Oh eight, one thirteen. Uh, yeah. So, but it's a bad. dry heat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a dry heat. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap this one up. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of the Silver Screen Happy Hour. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what movies you'd like to hear us discuss and review. We'd also like to hear your Stump Drome Six Degrees feedback and questions. You can find us on Instagram at Silver Screen Happy Hour, and you can email us at silverscreenhappyhour at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Chris Wiegand.